Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. So, as you have heard a couple of times, um, this is the 21st anniversary of the attacks on the United States. And uh, how many of you know where you were 21 years ago when this happened? A lot of us remember. For me, I was... uh, my youngest son was sick, and so I called in late to work. Took my oldest son out for donuts before I dropped him off to school. I know, it's not fair to my youngest one, but I didn't tell him. He knows now, he's sitting right back here in the back. So, as I was driving my oldest one to school, heard on the radio, a guy said a plane hit the, the World Trade Tower. And uh, he thought maybe it was a a single-engine Cessna. That's what he announced on the radio. I dropped my son off at school. I'm I'm thinking to myself, what kind of idiot riding a small plane could not see that big building? And uh, I got on base, went to do my job, reported to my supervisor that I was now at work, just in time for a co-worker to look at me and said a plane hit the World Trade Center. I said, I know, I heard that a few minutes ago. She said, no, another one just hit. It was at that moment I knew we were under attack. So I worked for the military, worked on military aircraft. And uh, it was a job I enjoyed. That day I did not. Even though I got to work an hour late, I worked 12 hours. bases were locked down, nothing was flying, nobody could get in. It took hours and hours and hours, people sitting in line to come to work to relieve us from duty. That feeling you are feeling right now, the sadness, the anger, might even be bitterness. I want you to throw that out and remember the day that you came to Christ, the joy that you feel of knowing that from that moment on, as long as you continued to pray, to worship God, and to read Scripture, that your life from that moment on was going to get easier emotionally in a lot of ways. And as David announced earlier, afterwards we're having a healing prayer. It is not just for physical healing if you have emotional healing that you need to get over the bitterness of what happened meet right back here in the prayer room after service okay that's my introduction that's my announcement I'm on page two already woohoo title of today's sermon is who are you And if you got a chance to read Titus and Philemon this week, or if you got a chance to follow along in the videos that we post online, it's a wonderful thing. How many of you missed Pastor Mark? Don't be ashamed to raise your hand. Did you know that two to three times a week he is doing the videos? So if you missed him and you're not watching the videos, well, poo on you, right? You've... You're missing a beautiful man talk to you and continue to teach you from the distance that he's at. Thank you, Mark, for that. 
So in this week's readings, my sermon will be over Titus. And Paul tells Titus the reason that he was left behind in Crete. And that was to look for the leadership for the churches that are there. So let's begin in Titus chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. For this reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. If a man is blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children not accused of dissipation, that's being a foolish life, or insubordination, and for a bishop must be, must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy, not greedy for money, but hospitable, a lover of what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, self-controlled, holding fast to the faith, to the faithful word, as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to, both to exhort and convict those who contradict. So according to Paul's letter to Titus, the elders and bishops must be blameless, husband of one wife, have faithful children, not self-willed, quick-tempered, drunkard, not violent or greedy, but also they must be hospitable, loving what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, self-controlled, holding fast to the word so that they are able to teach others sound doctrine and they can correct In chapter 3, he tells Timothy the same thing for overseers and deacons. These are the church leaderships. But he added that they are to be well-behaved, able to teach, gentle, not argumentative, nor covetous or liars. But they should hold the deep truths of the faith with clear conscience and be tested in this. He adds later that these qualifications, the qualifications for their wives as well. That is, they should be reverent and not slanderers, good-tempered and faithful in all things. Now, the importance of that is having a, a wife that, that does that for a pastor is pastors are human. Pastors will not hold secrets from their wives. And so this does not create contention in the family because of secrets. So when you tell your pastor something, if he has a wife, he may talk to his wife about it. He doesn't always, but he may. And she must be able to hold the secret just as if she was the pastor that was hearing it. This helps build their relationship. You don't want a pastor in your life that can't hold his own family together. Scripture says that he's not to be there. He has to keep his family together. So every day we will meet someone who does not have all of these qualities. To be everything on the list can be a bit overwhelming. That's a vast list. And when I first started my internship, I mentioned to Pastor Jeremy that I was disqualified because I'm not the husband of one wife. I'm not the husband of any wife. Jeremy said, Paul didn't have a wife wife either. Nice try. Get back to work. That's Jeremy for you. The thought behind having one wife and faithful to her is that if you are married, you'd be faithful to your bride. 
and only to your bride in both physical and emotional ways. For all practical purposes, you want someone who is a one-woman man. And if you are single, Paul tells you what you should do in this. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. Flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. And Paul continues in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now in doing this, even a single person can honor their marriage, even if they haven't met their future spouse. So in order to keep a pure heart, what can we do? Whether single or married, we are to walk in the spirit and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. And the easiest way to do that is to read your Bible and to pray. Develop that relationship with Christ. Pray as often as you need, but at least once a day, spend time in fervent prayer to the Lord for whatever issues you have or whatever someone else is going through so that you can intercede on their behalf. If you can't remember, set an alarm. Mine goes off at 9.30 at night. If I'm in the middle of a TV show and I feel the need to pray, TV's turned off. I can watch it later. It's not as important as praying to God. Jeremy has a list of things to help us grow in faith in the youth room on the board. These are things he's teaching your children. And it's because Bible reading and prayer, fellowship, outreach and service, discipleship, and giving. While each of these should be done, the two that need to be done every day is Bible reading and praying. You can give of yourself every day, but sometimes it's exhausting. As I've said before, I'm an introvert. And so I go to my house and I lock the gate and I just sit back here on my land and smell the fresh air. There's no cows around, so it's really nice. Others can be done. The rest of them can be done as the opportunity has rise to disciple someone, to, to reach out to someone in need, to fellowship with someone as, as we should do. And... Uh, But sometimes we just need to rest. However, we cannot and must not spend one day without reading the Bible and without praying. These are the things that are a must for someone to become a person in leadership in the church. One thing I did not add above, and it's found in 1 Timothy 3 as well. It's extremely important that the person must not be new to the faith or a novice in the knowledge of Scripture. And remember when I told you earlier that I joked around with Jeremy how I was disqualified because I'm not married. You cannot pull jokes like that on someone 
who is extremely knowledgeable in Scripture, it will not work. But the good thing is it made Jeremy smile, and I like doing that. We all need a break from from things in life. You like my shirt? Did y'all get to read it? I said, I put the stud in Bible study. That's a joke. I know what I look like. I'm pretty, so pretty. But the thing is, is that, you know, we must be able to laugh at ourselves sometimes, but we must also always seek Christ for everything we do. We do that through scriptures. We do that through prayer. While I'm not new to the faith, nor am I a novice in understanding of scriptures, I am no match for Jeremy. Not even close. I would put his knowledge up against any of my professors any day of the week, and they're all PhDs. He is that knowledgeable. And I've told him this, so it's no secret. We each have different gifts here in the body, what we need to do. It reminds me of a time after a sermon when we were were all told that we are all parts of the body of Christ. I saw Jim Bob crying in the corner. I asked his wife, I said, why is Jim Bob crying? She said, well, we're all part of the body of Christ, and Jim Bob just found out he was the spleen. Of course, I'm joking. That didn't happen, but it's a fun joke. We're not the spleen. We each have a different thing in life, uh, or in, uh, in our ministries to do. There are no useless parts in the body of Christ. So are you the type of person who is qualified to be an elder? That's, that's a tough call. Let's head back to Titus chapter 1 real quick for some material to talk about. We're going to be in Titus 1, verses 10 through 16. For there are many insubordinate, both idle talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole households, teaching things which they ought not, for the sake of dishonest gain. One of them, a prophet of their own, said Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Paul didn't pull no punches on that one, did he? Therefore rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men who turn from the truth. To the pure all things are pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving nothing is pure. But even their mind and conscience are defiled. They profess to know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. This section of the Bible is called the Elder's Task. That's the headline in mind for this section. That is, it's the Elder's job to look out for people who are like this. They find those who are insubordinate, who are idle talkers, who are deceivers... And they shut them up by either training them in sound doctrine or by sending them out of the church so that they can't do, no, they can't do any harm to anybody here. Paul says to rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in faith and not following those who lie. I want you to see what it says about those who are defiled and unbelieving. To them, nothing is pure. Nothing is sacred. They will lie and deceive for financial gain, for anything that may 
make them look good. And we are to be wary of such people. While they say they may know God, their works say otherwise. They're abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. False teachers with false doctrines will not last long here. They are removed as soon as their actions give them away. Those who are here in leadership are tested. You don't know you're being tested, but you're being tested. It's to see if your faith and your walk with Christ is genuine. It is constantly monitored in a way that a person will be found out if they are not true to the faith. Here's the cool part. It's not exhausting because if you live in truth, you do not have to remember a lie. Nobody can dispute the truth. Let's take a look at uh, another list of things we should not do, and that's Galatians 5, 16 through 21. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you were led by the Spirit, you you were not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are... Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, self-ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand... Just as I also told you in time past that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. How many of you are perfect in all of those? Whew, I'm not alone. (laughs) So you don't have to raise your hand, it's okay. This is questions that I asked for you to look inside yourself. Anyone ever have an outburst of wrath when you get cut off in traffic? When you have to go to the bathroom really, really, really bad and you catch every stinking red light in town until you get to your house? Not me, I don't know what you're talking about. I do. Bad enough, I despise the guy that invented red lights. But it's okay, they are a necessary thing to have to Keep traffic flowing smoothly. Anybody here ever heard of Ray Comfort? He's a New Zealander that lives in California, street evangelist. He likes to question people on how good they think they are. First question is, are you a good person? Most everybody's going to say, yes, yes, I'm a good person. So then he asked them a series of questions, basic questions. You ever stolen anything? You ever lied to someone? You ever taken God's name in vain? Have you ever looked at another person with lust? And almost always, every single one of those answers are yes. So then he tells of them that by their own admission, that they are a lying thief, a blasphemer, and an adulterer at heart. Is that a good person? Then Ray goes on to tell them about their need for Christ. And the grace that he has for them. 
So the point is, is that regardless how good a person that we believe we are, the law shows us that we are sinful. And the law shows us a need for a Savior. Our old sin nature gives us the potential to be each and every one of these things that I've mentioned that's bad. Paul tells Titus to make sure that those who are to become the leaders of the churches should not have any of these sins. I know we just read in Galatians, but let's see a similar thing in Titus chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to men. For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, giving in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is the faithful saying, and these things I want you to affirm constantly, that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. We were once like that as well. Then we came to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. And I believe that because we get angry periodically at a red light, it doesn't mean we are bound for hell. However, if we are constantly and consistently the things listed in Galatians chapter 5, we need to examine ourselves and our walk with Christ to ensure that it exists. Let's look at Titus 3, 9 through 11. But avoid foolish disputes, genealogies, contentions, and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and useless. Reject a divisive man after the first and second admonition, knowing that such a person is warped and sinning, being self-condemned. See, this is a warning that Paul gives to Titus as an individual to be on the lookout for because they do not have any of the characteristics of a person who loves Jesus and is a believer. Are you a person who likes dispute, to dispute things that are stupid and unprofitable and useless? Or are you one who seeks to build up your brothers and sisters in Christ so that they can mature in the spirit and grow in faith? Let's hop back over to Galatians chapter 5 to see how true believers act. Chapter 5, verses 22 through 26. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, thing, against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. Let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another... Or envying one another. So even here Paul informs the readers that our Christ-centered nature and warns us to avoid foolish talk 
and foolish disputes. You know someone who has the fruit of the Spirit? Notice it's singular. It's a fruit. That when you are in the Spirit, all these things are manifest in you. It is one thing. It's an all or none kind of thing. We can fake it. But it's not a fake it till you make it kind of thing. If you lack prayer, if you lack the discipline to read your scriptures, to understand what God wants for you to do, you're not going to have these things. You must continually seek a relationship with Christ. Even Peter brings these things up in 2 Peter. And he lists them after reminding the believers of their divine nature that has helped them to escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. So we're going through 1 Peter 1, 5 through 9. But also, for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he has cleansed, he was cleansed from his old sins. See, the search for an elder, deacon, bishop, pastor, overseer, any of the leadership here in church is extremely important. And we must know the scriptures so that when we are asked if we know anything against a person who is being considered for that office, that if we know... It is not something that happened 10 years ago, 20 years ago, or before they came to the faith. It's something recent. It's an unrepentant sin, ongoing unrepentant sin in their lives that you should bring up to the leadership who is considering someone else to join them. You ever been to a wedding? No? And the pastor always asked, if anybody here has anything, any reason why these two should not be married. This is not things that happened. Ten years ago, she stole my man. Don't care. Did she do it last week? We care. If it's anything that's going to damage the marriage, then these things must be brought up. Hopefully you brought it up before they got to that point where they're standing in front of everybody. Otherwise, you're just being, I don't know, mean. It's an ongoing, unrepentant sin in this person's life. Is there any ongoing, unrepentant sin that would damage the office in which this person is being considered? That would damage the reputation of the church? Or something that would dishonor God and cause others to decide that being a Christian is no better than where they're at now. And so they reject Christ. If it's anything like that, speak up. The importance of knowing who you are and where your walk is with Christ is that the present is is shown in Titus as well. So imagine, if you will, a single pastor who goes out, dates a lot, does things that are designed for the marital bed only then gets up there and preaches to you against the sin of premarital sex 
You going to listen to him? Because I wouldn't. Or you have another pastor who abstains from all of this because he wants to keep his marriage bed pure even if he hasn't met his future bride. That's the person you will follow because he leads by example. And that's what you're looking for in a leadership. But are you the same way? Do you keep yourself pure? Do you follow these rules yourself? See, my testimony and my ability to teach would be stained if I was like that first one. And I've heard of some like that. But I'm not. I'm like the second one. I abstain to keep my marriage bed pure for whoever she is. You know, since chapter 2 is kind of short, we'll just read the whole thing. So let's go to Titus chapter 2. But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine, that the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, and in patience. The older women likewise, that they are reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to too much wine. Teachers of good things, that they may admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, Good, obedient to their husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Likewise, exhort young men to be sober-minded in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works in doctrine, uh, in doctrine showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. Exhort bondservants to be obedient to their masters, to be well-pleasing in all things, not answering back, not pilfering, not showing all good, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in that present age looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority, and let no one despise you. Everything told in chapter 2 of Titus if properly done, will bring glory to God. Titus is a small book. has some powerful lessons in it. So seek that which is good, honorable, righteous, and godly. So who are you when it comes to following Christ? I've given you two lists. One's not good. The other one is what you will become when you continually seek Christ. Are any one of you who is no different than the world? Rhetorical, you don't have to raise your hand. Are you one who seeks Christ daily through reading of his word and through prayer? Do you consider yourself disqualified from making a mistake and therefore you continue to sin without hesitation? Or do you understand that the grace of God 
And the sacrifice of Christ has redeemed us in every lawless deed so that we become the righteousness of God in Christ. And so you come to repentance and you ask help from the Spirit in conquering the sin in your life. Joshua states it best in what decisions we have to make in Joshua 24, verses 14 through 15. Now therefore fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that are on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So choose for yourself this day whether you worship the idols of social media, the idols of technology, the idols of lust, the idols of alcohol and drugs, or insert anything here that takes you away from your study of the scripture and takes you away from prayer. Choose who you will be in Christ so that when someone asks who you are, you can say with all confidence, that I am a child of the Most High King. I am heir through the throne of grace and seed to the promise that God made to Abraham and that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus who sacrificed on the cross to save me from my sins and to save me from an eternity in hell. Or perhaps you want to tell him something else. That's a decision you have to make. So who are you? choice is yours there will come a time which you will have to say it one way or the other and that's found in Philippians 2 verses 9 through 11 therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord for the glory of God the Father. Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Is he Lord in your life? So who are you? Let's go ahead and stand. Let's go ahead and pray. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for the letters from Paul to Titus and the others who show us where we fail, that we are not alone in having done so. Thank you for teaching us that your mercy is far greater than anything we could ever have ever hoped for and that forgiveness for our sins and a willingness to allow you to work in our lives can bring us to restoration in our relationship with you. We ask that you will show us our hearts and where we need to seek forgiveness for unrepentant sins in our lives so that the faith, our faith will become stronger. Our testimony will help others and our love for you will grow. Please give us the strength and peace as we leave here and the boldness to look within ourselves and allow you to change us. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.